Hi, I'm George Techmachop. Uh, you're going to do what? Start again. No, what? You're going to a little bit about how much I hate the schedule. Yeah, that's that's the purpose of this podcast is to discuss the schedule. Yeah. Hi, I'm George Techmachop okay, here with let's... Steve. <laughs> Hold on, start. Okay, I'm going silent now. No, no, you start. Nope, I'm silent now. Hi, I'm George Techmachop here with Steve the Big Cat. Anderson for another Eastern Target Archery podcast. That was an extraordinarily long pause there, Steve. We're out of am practice. I, am I on a delay? We're, no, we're am just I out of delay. We're out of practice. That's all. Okay. Yeah, I interrupted you like five times trying to start the show. It's so all I good. Apologize. No, it's it's all good. You know, I mean, you know, it's the first show of the new year for the two of us. We had another show in there somewhere, but, uh, you know, for the two of us getting back together, it is the first show of the new year. And, um, Gosh, when did we start this thing? It was back in uh, World Championships in Copenhagen. Copenhagen. So 2016? 15. Yeah. 15. Yep. So that you know what that means. It's mean nine years of the Easton podcast now. Shocking, isn't it? Cheers to whoever has stuck it out that long. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know what they call it when when people belong to something and then they leave after a while it's a churn rate right it's new people come in old people go out i wonder what our churn rate has been do we have those statistics anywhere you know it's hard to say um because we don't we can't track individual subscribers we know how many total there are and we know how many downloads there have been over the years and by the way thank you everybody for all the downloads this past year uh, half a million which is not a bad number i think in in podcast land especially for a speciality podcast like ours Pretty cool, I think. And um, yeah, so hey, let's just uh, let's hit the ground running here. Uh, Vegas shoot coming up three weeks from now. And as we all know uh, by now, because we had a podcast with Brittany and Bruce uh, recently, this will be the last Vegas shoot at the South Point. There will be a new shiny venue for the uh, for the Vegas shoot coming up next uh, next time around. So, you know, we'll find out what that is at the Vegas shoot. Bruce will be making a big announcement, or at least that's the plan right now. But for Championship Open, which is the premier, you know, uh, category, the one that everybody pays attention to, and open means open. It doesn't mean men and doesn't mean women. It means open. Uh, 186 entries right now for that one. And for your senior compound, which uh, in Vegas speak means old guys, <laughs> It's going to be 135 entries. Championship senior compound female is only 24 uh, entries right now. Championship compound female is 84 entries. Your recurve men have 71 and your recurve women have 49. Um, and then after that, you've got recurve barebow, total of 43 for that combined division. And uh, that is... You know, looking at compound flights, 996 shooting the flights and 357 recurves and 286 recurve bare bows and 19 many, compound bare bows. How many in uh, Open Championship? Open Championship has a total of 186 right now. Wow. And I think we're well. going to, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's a total of 2,000 entries right now. But as we uh, record this today, which is the ninth of january there is one week left for your normal registration to take place and there's always a big rush 
just before that. So I imagine that that is what we'll see again this time around. If anything affects Vegas this year, I think it's going to be the cost of flights from what I've seen. What do you think? Um, I think just the cost of everything. You know, people may not have the discretionary funds that they've had in years past, but it's hard to say. I uh, am a little surprised they're only at 2000 because I want to, I'd have to look back at, uh, I'd have to listen back to one of our previous podcasts where Bruce talked about the numbers, you know, probably around a similar point in the year, but then I'd have to listen to our podcast and I've never done that. I'm not going to start today. So yep, yep. And to be it fair, it feels like we're, we're down. Feels to like be we're down a little bit. Right. But I need to throw in a caveat and that is that this is off of the sports 180 statistics and we don't know the last time those were updated. So it could be that there's different numbers in there because 2000 is exactly what the number is. And that's a awfully round number. So, you know, it could be that as of the last update of the system, that's what was showing, right? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, we don't know for sure, but uh, I, I think that it's a reasonable thing to say that odds are it's a different number than this. And uh, let's see here. Did you register? Are you going to shoot? Yeah, I registered yesterday. Okay, so you're not in the system right now, which sort of backs up what I'm talking about. I don't know how often okay. they update this thing, but you, you know, as I look at it right now, currently there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Andersons, but none of them are named Steve. And I think you might be able to register anonymously. I don't recall. I know you can at other events on Sport 80. Oh, so yeah. it's possible people are doing that, which is whatever, you know. Yeah. But, so that would throw the available numbers to us. And of course, Bruce being busy with the uh, outcome of Rushmore Rumble and all that stuff, we haven't uh, actually heard back from him. But I will tell you that we will probably have an update on that next week. And uh, I have a feeling, a sneaking suspicion that it's going to be a lot closer to 3,000 by the time we get another update. So we'll see what happens there. I think it was, yeah, we'll was it like 3,400 last year, something like that. Something like it was that. it was like thirty nine. It was almost four thousand. We were kind of just calling it four thousand to make it easier. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's entirely possible we'll see something similar this year. Now, the thing about this is, you know, I mentioned the Vegas shoot three weeks from now, but in that three weeks, we've got so uh, this has got to be the most crowded part of the calendar for anybody involved in our sport or in the industry. For example, right now, uh, we got ATA show starting tomorrow. Um, and team Easton is there, you know, there's an Easton booth there. So if you're at the ATA show or you're headed to the ATA show, stop by, say hi, pick up some swag, say and grip and grin with Gary and our president, Aaron Lucky and a bunch of other folks. They're there to answer your questions and show you all the new stuff. And then right after what's the next thing we've got, uh, Lancaster that's coming up pretty quick. Mm. Now you go, you go ATA, then you would go to Neme, then oh, Lancaster, yeah. then Vegas in that order. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, flying to Nîmes and um, getting that tournament done. Of course, this year we're expecting a big turnout for Nîmes, which is the penultimate stop on the World Indoor Series circuit. And then following that, as you just mentioned, Lancaster, which is not a part of the World Archery Circuit, but is its own thing with its own unique set of rules uh, that I think a lot of people really like. Uh, they like that. Is it a 12 ring now? Or is it 11? Say that again. What's that special ring in Lancaster? Is oh, it 11? A, a 12 ring, because the regular X ring scores 11 there. Okay, gotcha. 
So yeah, if you see scores from Lancaster and those numbers look a little bit wonky, you'll know why. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the 11 ring is in play all the time. Yeah. Uh, so your total would be 660. Yeah. If you were perfect. And then the 12 ring only comes into play at the shoot downs, shoot ups in the shoot up. So Where they have that uh, elevated platform and you get to stomp on a switch to show your intention to go for that high risk, high reward 12 ring, which has uh, certainly been influential in the last few outcomes of the Lancaster shoot. I think it's fair to say, right? Yeah. It, um, it plays a role. I mean, I think Brady hit it to win. I think Bodie used it to win. I remember seeing some people going for it right out of the gate <laughs> and it not paying off. So it's a risky thing. You know, I thought about it and I thought, you know, if I was uh, at the peak of my career and shooting a lot and, uh, you know, could, could go through six or seven matches in a day and be fine at, at a high level, you know, and, Sure, seven matches, they're 12 arrow matches. So, you know, it's only 84 arrows. It's not a lot, but when you're under pressure, that's a lot of arrows, right? You'll get really tired doing that. So I thought if I was one of the bottom guys and, you know, let's say I was seventh. So I did every match, effectively, seven, three, and I won three, I would probably get to a point where it's like, now I need to, I need to jumpstart this. Like I need to get ahead early because i'm going to be tired it's going to be hard so i would probably go for some 12s early on see if i could cushion my lead or you know get them to to gamble and then take a little bit of the pressure off so just depends but at some point you're going to go all right this is going to be a tough match to win i better i better throw a wrench in their system and sometimes it pays off yeah we we had this at a local event um the other day well the other day it was like a month ago but the Utah Open, we we had a similar, uh, uh, the exact same format, not similar, but the same. And something like that kind of happened to me. You know, I wasn't totally sure uh, where I stood against my competitor. So I thought, oh, I'll shoot a 12 in the first. I think I shot one in the first, second, third end. And, uh, you know, Dave was actually out at that event, Dave Cousins. And he had, <laughs> he had a situation where you couldn't tell. He had two close arrows, couldn't tell what the score was. And he was like, I don't really want to go to a shoot off arrow. So I'm just going to shoot the 12. He ended up hitting the 12 and winning. Um, you know, we got down in size, close arrows, and it, it would have been okay anyway. So, <laughs> you know, if he had missed, he would have lost for no reason. But, um, you know, it's something that plays a factor into it. It's kind of fun. It's a, it's a unique thing. We've talked about it before, and uh, it's fun. <clears throat> because we only do it once a year. Right. I don't think we'd want to see it as a regular thing on the circuit, but for sure it's a, a hook that gives Lancaster uh, a little bit of a special aspect. And I think that's one reason people appreciate it is, you know, it's, you don't want filet mignon every night, right? Well, maybe yeah. you do, yeah, I agree. but you know, I mean, if that's what you get stuck with every night, that's not so bad. Right. Right. But you know what I mean? I mean, you, yeah, you get you tired might, of it. You might, or you might take it for granted or something. But the point is, it's a treat when you have it at a tournament like Lancaster. Speaking of tournaments, Rushmore Rumble just wrapped up. The NFAA Foundation's Rushmore Rumble in Yankton, South Dakota. The uh, the garden spot of America this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> Spectacular hey, performance. It wasn't even 
It wasn't even negative 30 this year. Oh, not even. Yeah, it was only negative 18 or whatever. So, <clears throat> um, You know, when it becomes negative 40, it, we don't have to clarify which scale we're using. It's the same. So oh. we saw we saw some good scores. Um, of course, this is a, a 27 diameter arrow tournament. Um, so, you know, the, the usual meme makers on uh, on Instagram were proclaiming that uh, Stefan Hansen has superseded Mike Schlusser as Mr. Perfect, but Mike did it with 23s. I'll just point that out. Yeah, <clears throat> Mike did it with 23s in Neem with, you know, probably 800 people standing behind him to watch. And he did it, what, like nine years ago now or something like that? So yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, and he's done it several times since, of course. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, if you look at uh, if you look at his overall body of work, I think he's got at least four perfect six hundreds in regulation scoring, and he'd have a couple more if uh, you know certain rounds like the the Taipei Open that took place uh, in late twenty twenty three, where he was perfect for. You know, I think 900 arrow, 900 points, 90 arrows in a row. This year he was perfect for 120 in a row. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't count that way. So, you know, looking at no. it, you know, strictly yeah, as strictly as all he got. Yep. But um, Stefan Hansen did shoot a perfect score back in 2017 in Spain. Um, you know, Mike did it in Macau and he did it last year in Taiwan um, and he did it again you know, in late 2023 in Taiwan. So I mean, 2022 and 2023. Yeah. And goodness knows how many times he's done it in practice. But uh, I, I think so Mike Steph, still has yeah. that crown. Yeah. Yeah. He'll always have that crown. Like there's because of just the fact that not another person has done it in name, uh, the biggest of uh, world archery indoor events you know, still no one has done it except Mike. And we're going on, like I said, it's been eight, nine years. I don't even remember how long ago it was, but yeah, he's, he's done it so many times. He's done it more himself than everyone else combined, I believe. And you know who actually shot a perfect world archery 600 last weekend? PJ Deloche. Oh yeah. I heard about that. Um, PJ. Yeah. yeah. He turned one in, putting him on a real short list of people. And, and that's a fantastic thing considering that, uh, you know, PJ for a couple of years there, I'd say maybe, you know, during and after COVID, he wasn't at the peak of his, of his potential. And now he's, he's getting some back. So it's pretty cool to see that. Yeah. I think after COVID, you know, him, uh, shooting during COVID shooting wasn't a huge priority for him, but, uh, and I'm not sure it is now. I think, you know, he's still got other more important things to deal with and, you know, a job and family and things of that nature. And yeah, he did it and he's 41 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So he could well be the oldest guy to do it. Maybe. Yeah. Now Stefan's obviously was 90 arrows. Um, I jokingly told him I was not impressed because the first day they shoot five arrow ends. So I said, oh, it makes it way easier to get in the rhythm and, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I messaged him multiple times. First, I was impressed he shot 60 the first day because that's hard. That's really, it's hard to do. That's why he's the only one who did it. Um, and then 
to come back, sit on that overnight, come back and not only have the shot at a perfect 90X, but also just needing 30 tens to get into a shoot off. That adds a lot of pressure too. at, at a world archery event. If you're going for a 600, cool. You're going for a 600, but you know, if you blow it out and shoot a big nine, it's not a big deal. You know, it's not, the you could shoot an eight. It's not a big deal. Um, at a Vegas style scoring event, like what Rushmore rumble is, you know, that, that big, that big nine is looming. So you're kind of trying to play a game where you're, you're trying to stay within the painted lines, um, but also shoot with extreme precision. And sometimes that can lead to a bigger miss or just the, the pressure of the situation can lead to a bigger miss when really, you know, maybe the mistake wasn't that bad, but it gets magnified by, by that pressure. So for him to do it that way, extremely hard, really cool. Uh, it's good to see Stefan at his peak because, you know, he hit, let's say 2015, 2016, 2017, he was really firing on all cylinders. And then he's had a bit of a lull where he hasn't, you know, been at the top or won as much. And I, I, I really like Stefan. He's a friend of mine and I hope to see him get back to where he's, you know, a contender everywhere he goes. So, you know, what's interesting is Stefan and uh, Gary Cornum at Easton had had a conversation a few days before Rushmore Rumble where Stefan told Gary that he was shooting as well as he's ever shot in his career. And Stefan proved it with that perfect score at the Rushmore Rumble. Yeah. Um, in the shoot-off, um, it was a little different story. Bodie Turner, who was a point behind Stefan, shooting his X-27s, his Easton X-27s. Bodie turned in um, the winning score for the shoot-off, um, you know, pretty much clean in the shoot-off and beat Jimmy Lutz of Wisconsin. Um, so young Bodie Turner, the kid who's won Vegas, um, he is showing his uh, continuing potential, shooting really well. Yeah, and that's, that's the other side of uh... – a Vegas type tournament, you know, if you can get in, you've got a shot. And I have never been the high X count guy. You know, I think the the one year I came closest to winning Vegas, I was fourth. I think I was 81 X that year. And Stefan, I think was 88, you know, so I was off the pace quite a bit. Um, but I always thought if I can get in a shoot off, I've, I've got a chance as good a chance as anybody. And um Obviously, Bodie was not off pace. He was one X down, so he's a freak too. It's getting pretty crazy the level um, that these guys are at and what their expectations are, and and uh, you know to shoot. I'd have to pull up the results, but I think there was five or six guys who were only four down or better, and that used to be the Vegas record for a long time. Like eighty six X's was the Vegas record for quite a bit. And now they're, you know, blast to 90, 88, 89. And it's like, that's just routine. So yeah, the game has changed. The equipment's gotten better. The training has probably gotten better. And then just the expectation has risen people's performances because they, they, they have to, you know, they, they know what they have to be. So Chris Perkins and Mike Schlusser each had 88. Um, and you also had, of course, that 90 from Stefan. Um, but you know, 89 from Bodie, uh, just remarkable stuff. But, uh, the other two high scores were the 88s from, from Chris and from Mike, all those guys, Bodie and Stefan and Chris and Mike also have one thing in common, which is Easton aluminum 
for their arrow choice for these types of scores. Any any thoughts about that? I, I, I'm thinking tunability does come into play, even with fat arrows. So who all was shooting aluminum? I think well, you, I thought Bo- Bodie had carbon. Oh, you know what? Bodie was shooting super drives. Bo- Bodie yeah. was shooting super drives. And it was, um, so it would be Stefan and Chris and Mike that were shooting aluminum. Yeah. And I think you'll see the masses using that. My my thought, and I'm about to try some SuperDrive 27s myself, but my thought has always been that the aluminum, it, it one, it reacts a little softer. So it, even though it's actually a stiffer spine static measurement than the SuperDrive 27, it has a much uh, lower frequency or slower recovery. Yeah, dynamically, so it's, gonna, it, it's different, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's going to act like a, a weaker arrow, which, you know, at 250 spine, you're going to want a little bit weaker arrow for all those guys. So there's that. I've always just felt like the aluminum gave me a smaller miss on a mistake. And that said, I always felt like the carbons actually shot X's better. So I thought, yeah, I can shoot the middle out a little better with the carbons. But uh, when I make a mistake, it, I pay for it. And in a game like Vegas, you can't you can't do that, right? You can't pay for it. So you need that mistake to be as small as possible. So forgiveness, you know, I know it's an overused term, but forgiveness is a yeah. function of the aluminum versus the carbon to a degree. At yeah, I'd say less in, critical. So yeah. as to not use the term forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Another overused <laughs> term. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And that kind of is a good segue. Um with the the rules in Lancaster, that's a 27 tournament as well? Yes. So if you're in a situation like, say, Mike, uh, where you're going back and forth, are you going to want to stick with a 23? Or are uh, you going no. to... Okay. You're going to have two no, separate I mean, setups? These days, you just have two different rests, probably. If that. Like, I didn't even... Uh, in my best days, I didn't change anything. I just shot 23s and 27s off the same rest. And I may change the blade on a 23 or I may move the rest uh, slightly up for a 23. But there was a lot of times I didn't do anything different. I shot a wide blade, gave it quite a bit of support, some flashing contact, both still shot really good. You know, I had years where I shot 597 at Neem and and put 27s on and went to Vegas. So it was not a big deal. Including uh, the year you made the shoot down in Vegas too. Uh, I don't know. Those years may or may not line up. I can't remember, but probably yes. So you're looking at a situation where you can, at a high level, get them both to work with minimal tuning difference. Correct. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, when we look at the, uh, the Rushmore Rumble, uh, let's recognize that there were a total of 52 championship compound open shooters. So already for Vegas, we're expecting about three times that many. Um, but we had, if it were a Vegas shoot, if I'm not mistaken, I think it would be on the order of 18 people in what would be a Vegas shoot down with that qualifying score. So yeah, any predictions for Vegas this year? How many people might possibly turn in that level of a score for the Vegas shoot down. So Vegas, usually in the pro class, we have around 270. So you're not going to get a five X multiplier on, you know, if there's five times more people 
at Vegas than there were at Rushmore Rumble in the Open Championship, you're not going to get five times more in no. the shoot down because you're not going to have 90 people. Um, but I would not be surprised to see close to 30. Which would be know, a, we'll a big number. Yeah, there's been 25 or 26, and um, then there then there will be a year where there's like 12. So there's always years where people just forget how to shoot, and it gets the best of them, and it does it in mass. And as you see people around you dropping, you know, it kind of can add to that if you're paying attention. You know, if you're if you're noticing what's happening around you, you especially on the last day where everyone's lumped together in perfect bales, right? So all the people on the final day who are perfect will shoot together and you know you're all standing there just freaking each other out getting each other a little nervous that can create a scenario but yeah i don't think we're gonna have years where we have five you know like when sergio won his lucky dog that's not happening again i don't think we're gonna have years where we have 10 i think it's going to be 15 would be like a a light number and i think i think 23 is going to be more of an average number so the way people are shooting this year and you know i don't there there isn't like a huge change at vegas that has been implemented you know they're not taking it to a hundred thousand dollar prize money to make it a bigger deal or whatever it's been the same for quite a bit now so i think we're gonna have about 27 that's my guess okay i'm gonna guess 23 so either way we generally directionally agree that it's going to be more than 15 yeah so you know, I think that that's going to be uh, a great finale for our time at the South Point. Um, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things go next year it, it, with a new venue and the whole dynamic that goes with that. Because you do get kind of comfortable knowing what to expect when you get to a venue. You know, you know where you're going to yeah. park. You know where you're going to how you're going to carry your gear. You know where you're going to eat. You know all that stuff. You can make all your plans. Uh, it's going to be a little different dynamic in 2025 for the biggest shoot but yeah you know. and wherever we end up at um you know let, let's guess maybe it's somewhere up on the strip you know it used to be out there at the riv and you had more around so people are going out more um you know doing it quite a bit different than what they do at the south point where you more you know you see a lot of people a lot of people never leave the south point they come in they get five days of South Point air. They never actually step outside. So, <laughs> yeah, if it moves and it's somewhere, you know, more located within the strip area, um, it's going to it's gonna play differently because even down to the hotel, you know, it's going to be if you're at if you're at a, a centrally located area, you can go get different hotels or whatever. You're not going to have one common hotel like the South Point. So now people are going to be coming from all over the place with bow cases and walking around with bows. And it's kind of weird. And, you know, it's not at the South point. It's just, it is what it is. There's an archery tournament here this weekend and it, quickly everyone knows that. And archery is the order of the day, but you know, if we're in main part of Vegas, which again, I have no idea where this is at, but um, if I had to guess, it's probably going back that way. Cause that's where a lot of the convention stuff is. And um, a lot of the events happen there. So Sure. Even going back, you know, the, the tournament started in 1962 at the Sahara Hotel. Yeah. And 1966 to 67, it was at the Vegas Convention Center. From uh, for 1970 and 71, it was at the International Hotel and Vegas Convention Center. 72 was at the Thunderbird Hotel and the Convention Center. 73 through 76, the Desert Inn and the Convention Center. 
77 through 80, the Hilton and the Convention Center. Then for a 11-year period from 81 to 92, the Tropicana, um, which you thankfully were able to dodge. You could not see in the Tropicana, you know, unless you had like night vision gear. It was really dim in that uh, tennis pavilion where we shot. 93 through 2000, it was at the Sands Expo Center. So for seven years, I didn't realize this. I, I, I guess I forgot. But for seven years, it was at the Sands Expo Center. And that was back in the early days, 93, the Sands, the old Sands Hotel was still there, you know, kind of bungalows and a tower, uh, not nearly the capacity required. So everybody came in from around the strip. And then the Riviera era from 2001 through 2011. And then we've been at the South Point since 2012. So, you know, I'm thinking the new the new location is going to be more in keeping with the old school location. Um, you know, it's it's going to be one of two things. It's going to be back at a convention center style situation or a big hotel on the strip. One of those two things is is probably what it's going to come down to. And uh, do you have a preference one way or the other? I don't. It's just, you know, thinking of it, like you're saying, um, people have gotten accustomed to what they do daily at Vegas. You know, even say as a pro, you are coming in Thursday. You're going to have your practice. You know that night you're going to do practice with the pros. Friday, you're going to shoot your first round. And then you probably have a, a little bit. And that's every day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You probably have a little bit of a routine of what you're going to do each night. You know, maybe Friday night you go to this restaurant and then Saturday night you go watch the world archery finals and Sunday night obviously is a shoot off, but you kind of have things down, right? You got accustomed to it for a decade now. So people are going to have to kind of relearn their routine at Vegas and how things are going to work and how to simplify getting around with a bow and, um, you know, getting to practice on time and all, all that fun stuff. And that's the, logistical side we won't know until we get a year of it under our belt and i'm sure that there will be some growing pains with that so nfa will have to make changes between year one and two at this new location you know they're just like when we used to have practice upstairs where the trade show currently is um that's where the practice bales used to be mm -hmm. at south point and then the trade show got big enough that they had to move it um then they, they put the practice targets underneath for a little while and then they eventually you know picked up another ballroom and then um even got another ballroom for pro only practice but yeah it, it'll just be different and i really don't care i mean as long as i'm doing archery i'm going to vegas that's probably a given for me and yeah whether i'm working in it or shooting for fun i don't know i always i always say like the day i'm not involved in archery um and I just go to Vegas to go on my own free will. That'll be a lot of fun for me. And I'll probably also go to a lot of manufacturers booths and, and uh, dry fire their bows. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of Vegas 2024 still in our crosshairs. So February 1st is the uh, final chance for late registration. Uh, that'll be an open practice day. The trade show opens there. Meet the pros will be there. Uh, you might, Steve might be part of that. I think usually you are, right? Um, I haven't been going to it the last few years. I'm, I'm washed up. My career's over. So yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. February 2nd is day one of the Vegas shoot. So, uh, you know, you got the trade show and the first of the 10 K a day shoot offs, which uh, should be all kinds of fun. Don't forget, by the way, that you need to register for that as part of your registration. If you want to participate in that, uh, February 3rd will be the second day of the Vegas shoot trade show, a second 10 K a day shoot off. Then we'll have the indoor archery world series final. And then February 4th, the finals of Vegas, the, Day three, Vegas shoot, trade show, the lucky dog, the championship shoot-offs, the, the Super Bowl of archery, as Bruce likes to call it. So, Probably illegally calls it that. But. Yeah, you know, that's probably a trademark thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I suppose we could call it the Vegas of Vegas or something. <laughs> yeah. One way or another. Yeah. You know, it's not like I uh it's not like when I have in the past announced at the Vegas shoot. I I, I never use that phrase, you know, the the boxing phrase, the, you know the one I'm thinking of. So nobody's getting ready to rumble. <laughs> you have to be careful, yeah. Vegas. Vegas is a uh a company town, you know. Yeah. Somebody yeah, will call you out. They play that game. Yeah. They play that game. Well, and that's the other thing that's interesting, you know, uh sort of inside baseball here, but one of the things about the Vegas shoot being at the South Point for the last decade is that the South Point is not a union shop. You're going to have to pay somebody to plug and unplug your lights in your booth and things like that at the next venue if it's in Vegas. No, City limits. We have to do that here at the South Point currently. It is it is union. Oh, so it changed? Yeah, I I am assuming, or there's they're under a a uh, you know a hosting company, an event company that requires all that. So, yes, I can like plug into an outlet, but I can't like lay out carpet or you know plug into the yeah, main that, power. So, that part, that part, I agree. You 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 know yeah. that is part of the part of the. But I'm literally talking about the old days at the Tropicana when you literally had to have a union guy come over to unplug something that was oh, really yeah, the case. it's not that bad. There still is some of that in place though. I just, I, I'm not all sure what it is, uh, what is involved with it, but I have seen union guys there working. So yeah, yeah well, you know, it might be the load in only, you know? Yeah. Load in, load out. Yeah. But the point is that, you know, it's, it's one of those, uh, one of those things that goes with the change back to going into the city limits of Vegas. Yeah. A lot of folks don't realize that the South Point's just outside the city limits of Vegas. And I have a feeling part of the reason it is, is because they wanted to avoid uh, that whole scene. So uh, right. it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. All right. Next on our agenda, uh, there was something else we wanted to talk about. This is the, uh, time, this is the time when I edit the show, right? <clears throat> yeah. I think we were going to talk about, Maybe Neem a little bit. We talked oh, about yeah. the schedule, how bad that stinks. I didn't really lament on it as much as I'd like to, but you know, for for the vast majority of people who do archery as a hobby, they're not hitting ATA, Neem, Lancaster, Vegas, right? They're not doing all those. But man, for a guy who works in it, and I have coworkers who are literally doing all of those. It kind of stinks, right? This month is no fun. There's, no. You get, like, you go to the holidays and you've just got, like, a pit in your stomach about how crappy the month of January is going to be. And that's right. just the truth. That's how it is. So It is. It's the toughest month in archery. So just to recap, we've got uh, 
you know, we've got Neem coming up right after the ATA show and then Lancaster and then the Vegas shoot. And, you know, one of the things is that we're going to have a lot of folks coming in from uh, international locations to visit at, uh, at Easton. Um, you know, we got teams coming in from different parts of the, of the world that want to see the factory, see arrows made in the USA. And uh, that's always fun, but it's, uh, <laughs> it is extra work. So there's that yeah. to go with it as well. Yeah. Your day-to-day -day doesn't stop just because you're at an event. It just piles up. <laughs> nope. Try to stay so. on top of the, uh, stay, stay on top of the messages and the emails and everything else you got to do. Yeah. But you know what? I keep coming back. So must not be that bad. No, you're right. At the end of the day, it's better to be involved in something like this than not. And I think that, uh, one of the, one of the fun parts of what we do is to see those shooters at these events. Um, you know, guys like Mike Schlusser and Stefan and Sarah Lopez and all of those folks that we get to see at these events. That's the highlight. I think at least it is for me. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it ultimately. And, you know, it's always, it's always cool to get down there and watch the, the Vegas finals and, you know, kind of feel like the, a real cap to the season. And part of me wishes that the season wouldn't try to cram everything into the lead up to Vegas. You know, I would love to see Lancaster move to mid February, but then you're just going to stack up on top of other events and, you know, I, I don't know. Personally, I'd love to see one, maybe two major events per month. So uh, uh, Neem in January, Vegas in February, and then we always have the ASA Foley kickoff, which is a really great tournament. Um, that's in February as well. I'd love to yep. see NFA indoor and Lancaster in March, and then let's go outside. But, you know, we kind of cram everything into January, and then uh, – Vegas early February, then everyone tries to stay alive because you're sick. Inevitably, if you've been to all those events and you get through February and then, you know, you go to NFA indoor in March and then it's kind of a, then that's kind of really the true end of, of indoor season and, and it's on to outdoor, but yeah, then you, you don't, you just don't have a, a good balance of, of events or steady stream. It's just, it just hits heavy real early. Yeah, and it continues this year, of course, with it being an Olympic year and us being a couple hundred days away from the start of the Paris Olympic Games. We've got, um, I mean, we're right in the thick of it. Nîmes is going to take place 19th through 21 of January, and that's also part of the, in there's going to be an indoor World Series youth final event associated with that, timing-wise. And then you've got the Vegas shoot, 2nd through the 4th of February. Right after that, uh, and during Vegas, of course, you got the indoor World Series finals. Not real long after that, uh, you know, a little bit of downtime in the month of March. Um, here in the U.S., of course, we're going to have a number of events that are spooling up, like you alluded to, Steve. You mentioned NFAA Indoor Nationals. There's also the USA Archery Indoor Nationals. There's going to be an Archery World Cup in Shanghai the 23rd of April. And right after that, you've got the World Cup taking place in Yeshan, Korea, the 21st of May. And boom, after that, into June, Antalya, 18 through 23rd of June. And of course, um, there's going to be the final qualifying tournament for Paris 2024, starting the 25th of July. And all of that stuff is coming around so, so quickly. 
besides that, you've got the Paralympics this year. You have the World Field Championship in Canada this year. Uh, just so many events, one after another. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be a remarkable thing. Um, there is going to be, of course, the uh, World Cup Finals. And this year, they are scheduled to take place in... Um, Actually, not announced yet, right? Yeah, not announced yet. There's a World 3D Championship at the end of September, which is often where we'd see a World Indoor a World Cup final, and that's going to take place uh, in Slovenia. Uh, the World 3D Championship in uh, the very end of September. So uh, I imagine that the announcement will be coming in the next few weeks regarding the destination for the World Cup final. And I'm imagining it'll take place after that World Archery 3D Championship, you know, given the the full calendar for this year. It's just a ton yeah. going on. Yeah, and that's a whole nother uh, can of worms, you know. Working logistics for World Archery would be pretty difficult. <laughs> and uh, yeah, stuff like the Olympics always throws a wrench into it. If you're part of World Archery and you're, you're – the national or sorry the the global governing body for the olympics every four years you're working with a different event organizer who's never done it before yeah so it, that always makes things challenging but you know they do a good job and they get through it and and uh the events always seem to take place we haven't had to cancel one yet since, no you know well there was a delay but global. not a cancellation so yeah besides for global pandemic stuff but you know <laughs> As things stand right now, um, you know, it's so complicated to try to talk about, you know, who's qualified for the games, what's coming up. Of course, we know that there are some countries that have at least one slot locked. Uh, the USA, for example, uh, we have a pair qualified right now. We've got to try to get our team slot at the FQT. Um, we are looking at a number of countries like Brazil that have one woman, uh, Chile that has one man, Colombia with one woman, Mexico with one man, and the USA with one man, all from the Pan Am games. So when we look at Brazil, for example, right now they've got uh, one man and one woman. Canada's got one man qualified. Chile has one man uh, qualified. China has one man and one woman. Colombia has one woman. Czech Republic has a woman. France, of course, has a full slot because they're the host country. Germany has one man and three women. GBR has one woman. Indonesia has a pair, a man and a woman. Italy has one woman. Italy does not have a team qualified yet. Japan has three men and one woman. Korea has three men and one woman. Mexico has three women and one, uh, three men and one woman. Moldova has a man. Mongolia has one man. Spain, one man, one woman. Turkey, three men. And the USA, as I mentioned, three, uh, one man and one woman. So 19 countries total are qualified as we speak. And that's, um, you know, uh, going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of shooters to try to qualify both team slots and any kind of slots for their countries. And, of course, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on all that as, as the season opens up outdoors. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's going to get busy. It's going to get busy and... It's going to be a fun year, though. I, th I think anytime you've got an Olympic year, you know, the World Cups and especially the FQT become a lot more 
fun to watch. And then these continental qualifiers start to mean something, you know, you're not sending your B squad to go gain experience, but not this time. fun year of world archery. And I, I don't know, we're going to have to make some too early, not, not today, maybe the next podcast, but some too early predictions for Olympic champions. Yep. It's our tradition here at the podcast and we're going to do it again. And it's scary how often we've been right. Yeah, we or, we can uh, get it right or be really it, close. At the very and to least. be fair, I shouldn't say we, you. <laughs> you have an uncanny way of calling the winner. Well, I will decide who to anoint later on. All right. Podcast. <laughs> so we'll definitely look forward to that. All right, see, we're going to wrap it from here. Um, I will uh, get together with Greg Easton next week for a special podcast. Um, and you and I will get back together again the week after that. And hopefully... Uh, We'll have some news from Neem and we'll be talking about uh, a lot more involving, you know, just what's going on with all of these things that we've been talking about, plus some hard numbers for the Vegas shoot to see where we're at. Heck, we might even know by then uh, what's going on. And you and I will be podcasting from the Vegas shoot too. So we'll have some updates from there. That turns out to be one of the uh, fan favorites is those Vegas live podcasts that we, that we've done. I always enjoy doing those too, because you know you get the the buzz of the event and the energy and what's happening, and um, plus we grab random shooters and make them join us. It's always fun. Yeah, yeah, make them. That's the, that's the truth. <laughs> so we're off to uh, we're off to our ninth year here on the podcast, and I I, I don't think uh, it would be uh, fair or wise for me to close out without thanking all of you, the listeners, for putting up with both of us over all these years, Steve. Yeah, we uh, we got to figure out a way to, you know, have some continuous improvement on this and what that means and how to do it. But So I bought you a new you microphone. Know. I bought a new microphone for you. You'll have it uh, this week. I'll, I'll be getting that to you. You finally just got tired of it and spent your own money on it. I, huh? I, I personally bought it, yes. Yeah. No, I, right. I really did. So <laughs> I know. I know. We're going to have to. We owe you one now, so <laughs> yeah. I got to figure out a way to to be, uh, you know, just to be better at the podcast instead of coming in and just, you know, today we jotted down a list of things to talk about and then we just talked about it. I'm going to start bringing some notes, some stats, you know, maybe have a little bit of prep. Like early on, it worked out, but now it's time to improve. We need to get Galantine back on too. Yeah, yeah, he did such a good job. We'll we'll make sure to have him for the Olympics and run some some numbers for us. But yep, all right, all kinds of fun. Steve, thanks for taking the time today, and we'll see all of you soon again on the next Eastern Target podcast. Pause that was like an official say. ending. It's weird. <laughs>